Damn on it. a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults. This is serious journalism, people. Serious. <laughs> this time, this, this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear? Where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words. Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. There is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm-hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yeah. which is not the way that you Amazing. want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me tonight, as always, is Abby Libby. How's it going, Abby? It is. It is. It is going. It is going. And on this episode uh, titled Exposing the Post-Millennial, we are having a good friend of the show, Jax McKinney on. Jax, how's it going, man? It's going great. Glad to be on. Yeah, excited oh, to no, have you No, no, no. You're going to have yeah. to do better than that. That was oh, kind of weak. Goodness. I was going to save you, but <laughs> I'm Abby's so right. pumped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was worse. Uh, going through my veins right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Jax, tell the, tell the people who you are, man. Yeah, why oh. are you here? Why are uh, you? Why are you here? <laughs> uh, I I do some YouTube and I, I dabble in some Twitter every now and again, talking about some uh, culture stuff and political stuff. So I uh, weaseled my way into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> by far the most humblest person here. So anyway. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I just I, I just do things. Uh, yeah, no, Abby's been doing some investigative journalism, and this is going to be very interesting. I've kind of purposefully tried to not know super a ton about this story, so I don't know how to like intro it, but there's some crazy stuff going on. Jax is very interested in a lot of the same things. We've talked about certain things with Crowder and Veritas and things going on in the conservative media world, and Abby's got kind of an inside scoop on some stuff, so she's going to bring that out to us. This is our second episode in two days to start off season three, which is weird for me. This is not unhinged. So there's people here that's live. I don't know. Let's go. Let's do it. What do we got, Abby? Okay. This has been a hard one. I've been working on it for a couple months. A couple months ago, someone reached out to me and was like, can I just, can I talk to you about some stuff? And then somebody else talked to me. And then somebody else talked to me. And then somebody else talked to me. And I'm, I'm not going to give the exact number of sources. And I'm not going to give the names of the sources. And I know that's not, that's not typical in journalism. Typically, that's, that's bad. When, when no one's willing to go on the record, that's a bad thing. But it's, in this space, a feature, not a bug. In conservative media, we, we all hear, hear the rumors that there are people who would speak out about Stephen Crowder, for example. But they're all under NDAs. 
Um, that's the case with some of, some of the people I'm working, some of the people I talked to, some of the people I worked with on the story. But the other problem is that with conservative media, once you work in conservative media, you're not going to get a job anywhere else in any other media. And if you get blacklisted in conservative media, you won't work again in conservative media. So you will never work again in your, in, in the industry you want to work in. And yeah, like you'd have to completely start from the ground up. And I know some people exactly. are trying, but it's not a, not a fun prospect. It's not easy. Yeah, for sure. So we, we, I have a, we have a situation where conservative employers weaponize their employees' conservatism against them such that they usually never speak out about anything bad that happens within those companies. So you see these shiny conservative companies, the good guys doing, creating good content, maybe doing good things, putting on good shows, whatever it is. And behind the scenes, all kinds of shit is happening and you're never going to find out unless somebody is brave enough to break their NDA or take a risk. And that's what's happening tonight. A bunch of people were brave enough to talk to me about it. Yeah. And, and ma basically this just comes down to that. Nobody talks to Abby. So if anyone does, she's like, you know, their best friend. Always. No, me. but for real, like the way you described this is uh, it doesn't matter who it is. And I think this is the thing that people are going to have a hard time getting over. What you described is a, a system that's ripe with it's, it's set up perfectly for corruption, right? Yes. As in, we know that we can have you and we know that we can destroy you and no one else, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, you, you cannot leave us so we can kind of get away with what we want. Right. There's no accountability a, to it. Yeah. It's not a good place to be. This is why I've been so appreciative of the Babylon Bee and I've, I've enjoyed not in, enjoyed is probably the wrong word, but you know, there are people, ex-employees of the Bee who have gone out and dragged them all over the mm -hmm. internet and they can do that because the Bee doesn't make them sign NDAs. They can do that because there's actually accountability. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, they might not always be able to do that because it hurts them a lot when people do that. But it's just that's the exception, not the rule. Or it has been. So, all right. Yeah. I got to stop stalling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a bit of a timeline on the post-millennial, where it came from, all that stuff. This is kind of focusing on ownership and all this. So the post-millennial was founded in 2017 in Canada by a guy named Matthew Azrieli and another guy named Ali Tagva. Uh, and we have a photo of them. Yes. Sorry. I'm, ah, I'm, over, here. I'm over here reading the chat. Yeah, <laughs> I should be. I should be fired. Let's see. There we go. Uh, and these guys you know, started the post-millennial and nobody, nobody really <laughs> understands why they started it or why they got out of it. And now Matthew Azrieli is like doing music somewhere. <laughs> well, we, we had a theory before the show that these two guys actually melded into one person and became Sam Bankman fried. So that's the real that, scoop I, that's, here. <laughs> that's the, yeah, I think that if there's anything plausible in this, there's a solid connection. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Only one of my sources uh, was at the post-millennial at the, the time Matt Azrieli was still there and had any contact with him, but he, mm -hmm. even he didn't 
necessarily have any contact with Ali. So um, yeah, just kind of incidental. So the, the post-millennial found more of a readership in the United States, even though it was founded in Canada. And over time, the publication experienced a shift in content focus from Canadian politics to American politics. And this really solidified in 2022 when it was bought out by an, Amer- an American company called Human Events Media Group. Even though it was bought out, the post-millennial and human events remained two separate websites, but you can buy a joint subscription for them. Gotcha. According to the post-millennial website, and this is key, according to the post-millennial website, human events media is, is exclusively owned by Jeff Webb, who we have a photo of. Yep. It, um, Human Events was founded in 1944 as a print newspaper, and it passed through a few hands over the years, but in 2019, it was pur- purchased from Salem Media Group for $300,000 by Will Chamberlain and Raheem Kassam. In 2020, Human Events published this article announcing they were bringing on Jeff Webb, and I want to look at this announcement article because it's interesting. It says, today... Oh, this was published on December 10th, 2020. Okay. T- today, Human Events, a digital publishing platform owned by Parallel Media, announced the addition of Varsity Brands founder and successful entrepreneur Jeff Webb as its new co-publisher and senior news editor. And then they go on to really talk him up. So there's this whole, whole article announcing that they're bringing him on in a certain role. Um, Jeff Webb is an entrepreneur who didn't get involved in the political world until 2019 when he started to advocate for political policies favorable to the middle class. So he wasn't particularly like conservative. He just started talking about one particular issue, which is like the economic stuff around the middle class. He wrote a book. He founded like a political action group, all that stuff. Gotcha. But the biggest thing that he was into prior to politics was cheerleading. Cheer, wait, cheerleading? Cheerleading. Yeah. He is he not a He doesn't yeah. look like a cheerleader to he, me. No. He's not He's, a flyer. He might, he could make a good base though. He looks like he could own a cheerleading organization. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a, he could be aggressive, be <laughs> aggressive. That's what he looks like. <laughs> oh, goodness. He's done a lot to develop the sport and make it what it is today. So he <laughs> founded the Universal Cheerleading Association. He founded Varsity Brands, which is a parent company of several linked brands. And then uh, he founded the International Cheer Union, of which he is still, as far as I know, the president. So... Seems like he's still linked to some degree, but he did get done with the stuff and here is why. So Varsity Spirit is one of the brands underneath Varsity Brands. And I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs straight from their Wikipedia page because I'm a journalist. (laughs) (laughs) I read today that the CIA controls Wikipedia. Yeah, (laughs) but no, I did a lot of background research on this and it was so big of a story that I found that the Wikipedia, uh, these two paragraphs sum it up way better than I was going to be able to by myself. So I know like, that's the thing is I was making a joke, but we still use Wikipedia we sometimes do. and they actually make sense and have their links and sources where you can check them. So like, yeah, they can manipulate whatever the hell they want. It doesn't mean that every single thing on there is. Yeah. Yeah. 
but this is definitely from the, straight from the CIA. If you if you want, hundred hundred percent. All right, here we go. In September 2020, USA Today published a report accusing governing bodies tied to Varsity Spirit of allowing 180 individuals, including coaches, choreographers, and others, who had been indicted for se- child sexual abuse, 140 of whom have having been convicted. So allowing these 180 people who had at least been indicted, most of them have been convicted, to continue participating in activities. It found that their list of blacklisted individuals only contained 21 people and was only amended and expanded following reports made by the paper. Are you with us so far? 180 people are... Sorry, say that again. I want to make sure I got that right. Okay. Varsity Spirit. Yeah. And and it's associated entities, mm-hmm. you know, because Jeff Webb was involved in a lot of different stuff, allowed 180 people who had all been indicted for child sexual abuse. Okay, that's the part continue. I want to make sure, because I was going to say mm-hmm. I knew they were indicted for something, but I want to make sure I wasn't just like jumping the gun and right. it was yeah. more, worse than it was. Okay. Participating in activities. Wonderful. Um, yeah, 140 convicted child sexual abusers to continue participating. In a sport with young girls. With children. Yeah. Yeah. And not just with children, but like with children in small outfits. Yeah. Children um, in overly sexualized. Yeah. Young girls situation. in overly yeah. sexualized outfits. That's the perfect place to have 140 pedophiles. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that for, for people like them, for that's the pedophiles. a feature, not yeah. <laughs> for, for the pedophiles, that's a feature, not a bug. Right. Like there's a reason it's set up that way. This is right. like, they should be more conscious of this than anyone else. Any, like anything that could possibly be an attractant to pedophiles needs to have like the strongest defense and background checks against them. Instead, what we find over and over and over again, whether it's within the Catholic church or the public school system, or apparently in, in cheer, the sport of cheerleading, yep. it's like, yeah, well, you know, we really need employees. Right. Let's just do QR codes, you know, so people can avoid you if they choose to. Here's the second paragraph. In September 2022, a federal lawsuit was filed in Memphis against Varsity Brands, Varsity Spirit, and the estate of Scott Foster, who was a gym owner who killed himself while under investigation for child sexual abuse. Read, he was guilty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this lawsuit was filed by six alleged victims of Foster. Six. That's Memphis at its prime right there. Yeah. The suit alleged negligence in violation of the Protecting Young Victims from Sexual Abuse and Safe Sport Authorization Act of 2017, including that Varsity made no effort to prohibit Foster from attending its sanctioned events even after his suspension from the USASF in 2018. So the allegations here are that Varsity, which Jeff was running, knew that these things were happening at least to some degree and allowed them to continue happening. But they did expand, they, they did expand their list to 21 or people out of the 180, <laughs> you know, they got rid of a, some, yeah, some of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, Pete's all right. So this guy, oh, wh- <laughs> yeah, I want to point out something in the timeline because it's, important. it's not like he has a little bit of a shady background so far. Like this is actually worse is than I thought. Bad. Yeah. This yeah. is way worse than I thought it was going to be where I was like, and Jeff isn't uh, even uh, like the point of me yeah, doing no, this, I know it's not, you know, but it's just the beginning. Yeah. So here's the timeline. USA Today published that article. 
about the 180 individuals. In September of 2020, Jeff Webb stepped down from varsity in December of 2020. In fact, Jeff stepped down from varsity on December 9th. Human Events published that article announcing him on December 10th. Wow. So he literally... He literally, the day after lo- like st- leaving his company because of credible allegations about him denying or, or I- ignoring, I should say, mm-hmm. sexual predators, just goes, like, fails upwards. Yep, into <laughs> conservative media. That's wonderful. I want you to make a note of each reason why the various characters in this story get into conservative media. Because they're all, like, bad reasons. <laughs> Like as in couldn't go anywhere else kind of reasons is what, well, is yeah. what it just, seems like so notes. far. Yeah, yeah just I'll take, take notes. notes. Yeah. So glowing article from human events announcing they're bringing him on. But this is why. This is why he left varsity. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> you know? Correlation literally does equal causes. <laughs> when you leave a company after, th- uh, you know, articles coming out about you being uh, excusing pedophiles. Yeah. Probably, probably guilty. Yeah, probably. Probably have have some blame. At the very least, he was too much of a coward to do anything about it. Right. Best best I can do for him here. So there's a lot more to that whole story. A lot more to the litigation. I the the litigation is ongoing. So I'm going to leave all that there. Uh, Otherwise, it would take over the entire story. Um, but we know that at some point. Jeff became the sole owner of human events. But there's not a similar announcement to that effect. On, so just on when he becomes events. the co-editor or whatever it said. Right. That's, there's the big glowing announcement there, but then there's not a thing for when he becomes the owner. When he becomes the owner. So yeah, let's okay. take a look at the human events um, about page. He is listed as the publisher and senior news editor. I want to make sure I'm sharing the right one. You talking? You talking about the one we looked at earlier? Sorry. Yeah. The why is it not working? There we go. Nope. <laughs> this one. Yes. Okay. This one. Okay. So he's listed as 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 that. So on on the website that he owns, the media company that he owns, not listed as the owner. Yeah, he's listed as publisher and senior news editor, and this right. is current. This isn't like way back machine. Right. This is this is today. This is okay. this is the website today. Um, Jack Posobiec, who we'll talk about later, he did is, he did keep Cheer Union in his bio though, so that's yeah great. yeah that's yeah. yeah he's he seems to be super still proud of that one proud of that yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jack Posobiec is listed as a senior editor. Charlie Kirk is listed as a senior content contributor, and Celine Ryan, Ciccio. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Chichio is listed as the managing editor, and I love how she's just got this tiny little. Everybody <laughs> else runs, has this. Who runs their website? Yeah, yeah. Like, like first, I feel so none bad of for the her. pictures are consistent, and hers is the worst. Yeah. Wow, that's really bad. Yeah. <clears throat> like they should all. <clears throat> prime they should all be like this patriarchy. with the background removed. Know yeah. what I mean? Instead yeah. of like these it's two have backgrounds different size. <laughs> this one's the big one, no background, and then this little like flip phone picture from 2008 (laughs) exposing human events media for being stupid no (laughs) okay jeff hired jeff hired jack posobic as the senior editor in may of 2021 so 
year after he'd been been going. Gotcha. Jack already had an unofficial relationship with the post-millennial, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. When Human Events purchased the post-millennial in 2022, the internal leadership of the post-millennial remained the same, even though they're owned by Human Events. So I want to talk about the internal leadership of the post-millennial because what the website communicates and what is true, according to every single employee I talk to, uh, is not the same thing. All right. So here's the post-millennial's uh, leadership on their website. Yeah. So this t- this top little um, box <clears throat> is where they say it, they're owned by Jeff. Um, right. Yes. Yeah, they're owned by Human here. Events Media, whose sole owner is Jeff. So... Here's what it says is leadership. Jeff Webb, publisher. Uh, Elizabeth Emmons or Libby Emmons, the chief editor. And then other other editors, Annie No, Ari Hoffman, Hannah Nightingale, Roberto Wackerel Cruz. None of these people are important to this story. Right. So that's all they, they list. However, <laughs> <laughs> I w- okay. I want to qualify this by saying there's intentional confusion, I think, at the post-millennial as to what the leadership structure is. Um, Most of the employees, if not all of them, are remote and they are kept fairly siloed. Even it's, It's not like every single employee is on the same Slack channel and they all talk to each other and have open communication. No, they're they're very siloed. And so the people I talked to, they were like, yeah, we are aware that we're owned by this this guy. But I don't even most of them were like, I don't even remember his name. That's always good. So we, made, right a, we made a joke about uh, SBF earlier, but some of this reminds me of yeah. where it's like one of the co-owners is this Asian dude that no one's met. No one. No one knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were like, yeah, he's not as far as we know, he's not involved. But again, they're siloed yeah. off. So it's possible that Jeff Webb talks to Libby Emmons all the time and, and tells her what to do. But he has no contact with the rest of the staff. They don't know him at all. But everybody I talk to says that there are two bosses, not just Libby, but a second person who is the Asian guy in the chair, the Asian guy in the chair, <laughs> who's more in charge, more in charge than Libby. Okay. And he goes by Barrett Wilson. There's also an understanding that for some reason, those two answer to Jack Posobiec, at least to some degree. I just want to uh, just want to point this out again, really quick, for people don't understand the structure. Yeah, let's just look at this website again. Leadership: Jeff Webb, Libby Emmons, editor. No, I don't <laughs> see. I don't see Jack Pasovic here. I see him on the last page. Yeah, Jack works for right. their employer's company. He's on Human Events, but there's no official okay connection. But we're going to talk about how <clears throat> deep of a connection there is, okay, and why that might be. Okay, but let's let's just focus on on Barrett for a bit because there's you know it's weird it's weird that he's no, nowhere. Yeah, bad quality meme says. Speaking of SBF, I used. <laughs> yes, PJ. 
Yeah, sorry. I didn't realize you're about to hit a stinger. Uh, <laughs> Bad quality memes says, speaking of SBF, I used to get Libby and his girlfriend mixed up, oh, which is no. they both have the crazy eyes. But I got to at least say, <laughs> oh. like, Libby's got some meat on her bones and doesn't look like she does meth all the time. It's more yeah, like a cocaine addiction. <laughs> yeah. So like every other weekend, you got to allegedly. You gotta, yeah, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> you got to get the the drugs right, you know. Uh, SBF's <laughs> girlfriend, and uh, what's her, I don't remember, Carolyn something, she like admitted to doing lots of meth and she didn't have to tell us. We were like, we, we know. We, we know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about Barrett. This guy broke out into the conservative media space on July 14th, 2018 with a viral article published in Quillette that was called, uh, I was the mob until the mob came for me. And I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs to give you the gist of this kind of long article. The first paragraph, I drive food delivery for an online app to make rent and support myself and my young family. This is my new life. I once had a well-paid job in what might be described as the social justice industry. Then I upset the wrong person. And within a short window of time, I was considered too toxic for my employer's taste. I was publicly shamed mobbed and reduced to a symbol of male privilege. I was cast out of my career and my professional community. Writing anything under my own byline now would invite a renewal of this mobbing, which by the way, well, I'm sorry, which is why with my editor's permission, I'm writing under this under a pseudonym. He knows who I am. So first, first thing to know, Barrett Wilson is a pseudonym, mm-hmm. not his real name. <clears throat> I mean, even in the article, for, it's like a face this. blacked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Farther down, it says, then one day, suddenly, I was accused of some of the very transgressions I'd called out in others. I was guilty, of course. There's no such thing as due process in this world. And once judgment has been rendered against you, the mob starts combing through your past, looking for similar transgressions that might have been missed at the time. I was now told that I'd been creating a toxic environment for years at my workplace, that I'd been making the space around me unsafe through microaggressions and macroaggressions alike. Okay. The article at the very end names him as an editor for the post-millennial. So he's already kind of involved with the post-millennial at this time. But this is what really brought him into some type of fame or, you know, being known in the conservative space. So the the Quillette article names him as a <coughs> editor at the post-millennial is what you're yeah. saying. Yep. When, not on, when was that it's article? Website. It's 2018 is when this was. Yeah. So why did this article make him a hero among conservatives? Why did no one stop to wonder what he was accused of exactly? And why did everyone assume he wasn't guilty? He doesn't actually the same thing. It was very vague, right? Yeah, he doesn't. And he doesn't actually say in the whole article, he doesn't actually say he's not guilty. He just lets you take the implication that he's not and that he's been done some sort of wrong. Well, it's cancel culture. It's cancel culture, yeah. of course. I was, you know? I was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't get canceled for doing bad things anymore. No, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, ask any questions, you know, about whether or not this guy actually did something. I know we were talking about this off air, but this reminds me of another thing where like this, this uh, oh, people will latch on to cancel culture to excuse the worst possible behavior. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about James Gunn right before the show. And it's like, I saw conservatives going, oh, they're trying to cancel him for free speech. I'm like, no. His free speech was tweeting pedophilic memes yeah. as a creator of kids shows. Yeah. I also want him to lose his job. Yeah. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. You should, but like, you should ask questions. 
Yeah, Sometimes. it's like maybe there, maybe some people actually do some things where we should be like, eh, maybe they maybe they shouldn't be the head of a cheerleader organization, right. Or making you know movies for children. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna read through a, a cancel thread. culture, <laughs> uh, a Twitter thread, an old Twitter thread, um, kind of talking about speculating about who this Barrett Wilson person might be, and it references his Twitter account, which is no longer active, and we're going to talk about why. Okay, that is later as well. So. So this is from White Rose AFA or something like that. The reason why this article is important is because it's it's the whole, this article being the one he wrote. Um, it's is it's the whole basis for Barrett Wilson existing and it's bullshit. Now let's look at what happened after his pseudonymous debut in Quillette. Barrett Wilson's very reason for being was letting people know how bad judgmental social issues people can be on social media it was a problem for him and others like him so f that nonsense right wrong barrett's article went viral and even became one of the biggest articles ever on quillette so 14 days after the article he created a twitter account not really intellectually consistent but as you'll see that's more the rule rather than the than the exception very soon barrett was writing for the post-millennial as a culture issues writer he's written a few hundred articles for the post-millennial he's basically a conservative version of what his genesis article rails about Things were looking up. Barrett created The Swift, which is an anti-woke company site. He also created The Woke Store for anti-woke merchandise. Barrett tried raising funds via, via PayPal so he could stop delivering food, which he did within a few short months. Soon he had a subscribe star and two Patreons. He was contributing to The Federalist and had written hundreds of articles. He's a senior editor at The Post Millennial right now. I believe that is still his, his title. Okay. Just not officially. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> gotcha. Um, not publicly, at least. Barrett yeah. Wilson is as uncancelable as you can get. He can't by, be canceled by the woke mob. So why is he anonymous? He claims that he will reveal his name after some legal situation is settled. Three years has come and gone. It's been a lot more by now. Yeah. It probably sounded like a good excuse at the time. He gave two other reasons to at Picasso in the following year. The legal issue that, that replaced fear of the woke mob disappeared and was itself replaced by other complications. Hell, he understands exactly what's going on. The, the backstory is bullshit. I think the original article was posted as a one-off and the Barrett Wilson persona was meant to be temporary. Once it went viral, the opportunity for money wasn't going to be missed. Barrett Wilson will not, under any circumstances, reveal his real name. It's not because of the woke mob. It's not due to legal issues. It's not due to family issues. Barrett Wilson can't reveal his name because it would turn out that back, backstory was bullshit. Which makes everything after it grifting off the people who support Barrett Wilson. I don't know who is behind Barrett Wilson. None of the people at Quillette, the Federalist, or the Postmillennial will say either. Having it look like they helped con their readers isn't a good look. If someone smarter than me wanted to figure it out, I'd look for an American with a passing knowledge of Canada who got canceled in 2017 to 2018 with ties to Quillette and the Postmillennial. But that's a relatively small pool. Ooh. <laughs> How much you want to bet? The intrigue. The intrigue. <laughs> okay. But we know. We know who he is. Um, a lot of people at the post millennial know exactly who he is. It's kind of a, it's kind of an open secret. Yeah. His name is John Paul Fiorentino. And uh, we know exactly what he was accused of. What? Uh, and that's what I'm curious about. What was he accused of? Because so far, like before the reveal, all I read from this article is I was a, a big proponent on the left and that they didn't like me anymore because I did something. And now because I don't like them, that's enough for me to be a thought leader amongst people who yeah. think the exact opposite of me. Yeah. Like that's the thing that keeps happening that pisses me off where it's like I didn't change. People just I just mm -hmm. didn't get accepted in this community anymore. And right. now I will attack them for money. 
But like, what about your, anyway, who is he? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> he worked in Concordia University's creative writing program. He was formally accused of sexual misconduct <clears throat> by a student of in course. 2018. His classes were immediately reassigned pending investigation, and he was subsequently fired. The school will not confirm if his firing had anything to do with the allegations, citing privacy reasons. But I want to show you an article from the school paper. So this would be written by students and approved by teachers. I, I wrote for a school paper, and, and that's kind of how it went, that like, it's kind of under the auspices of, of the school, mm-hmm. but it's, it's student run. So I, I think it has some weight to it. Okay. Um, and I'll just kind of read a little, you know, parts of this. Uh, Fiorentino is a part-time professor in Concordia's English department. His classes were reassigned during the 2018 winter semester amid allegations of sexual misconduct. On May 22nd, 2018, Healy, alleged that Fiorentino was the professor from her 2014 essay, Stories Like Passwords. So she wrote an essay in 2014 um, where she anonymously talked about this this person where she, it had, I guess, let's see, I'll just read it. Um, she wrote the essay about a relationship she had with her 34-year-old professor when she was 19, explaining that it wasn't fully consensual Um and she said that her experience was a drop in the bucket and that this type of stuff occurs frequently. Um, she, she, she explained that once the, you know, after she wrote it, she, did, she didn't feel the need to bring it up. But then she found out that the university um, was starting to get complaints about John Paul Fiorentino and another professor in the same department, but they didn't have enough to they didn't have enough formal on the record, you know, name behind them complaints to do anything about it. And she was like, Oh, um, I need to, I need to come forward. So she did. So she wasn't the only person who accused him of anything. She's just the, the one who tipped the skills. And the idea was that at 19 with a 34 year old person, it was initially consensual. And then there's, there's a, I hate it, but like there's a power dynamic there, mm-hmm. right? And we don't like to talk about this as conservatives, like the power dynamics, but a 19-year-old student of a 34-year-old professor, yeah, there's some there's some power dynamics there. And there's, uh, yeah. yeah, there's there's people who will like acknowledge this when it suits them and then ignore it when it doesn't. Right. So they'll ignore it with someone like Louis C.K. when it doesn't suit them, but they'll, they'll acknowledge it with Harvey Weinstein. And it's the same right. thing in a lot of ways, right? It's like, hey, I can make or break your career, mm-hmm. have sex with me. Right. Or do, do this weird thing with me. That is, that is still a form of rape. It's still disgusting. Right? Right. Call it whatever you want. It's still wrong. Right. And, and I'm sure a lot of people will read this article and they'll just stop that line where it says I was 19 th- and he was 34. And it's like, well, then, right. it's, then it's legal. And then the very next line, well, it wasn't fully consensual. And then it, it seems to go on to say exactly what it was. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's um, that uh, paragraph that's kind of highlighted. Yeah. This one. Um. Stories Like Passwords is about John Paul Fiorentino. He's the professor who manipulated me into a relationship, emotionally abused me, assaulted me, coerced me into sex, and raped me while I was a student at Concordia and he was a teacher. Wow. Yeah. And this guy... Frickin' cancel culture, am I right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Terrible. This guy got famous and made money in conservative media because he wrote a story referencing this 
complaining that he'd been canceled for this. The well, woke mob came after me. Yeah, that damn woke mob. <laughs> yeah, the only problem with this story is that canceled didn't mean uh, a millstone hung around his neck and thrown into the, you know, river or something. Like that's that's my only problem with the cancel mob in this in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard because all in this in this situation also there's only one named person and you know you could I can picture people picking this apart like how do you know she's really telling the truth the thing is that when things like this happen people are scared to talk for a lot of the same reasons like how are you gonna how are you gonna speak out against a professor at the school you're going to wasn't part of the story that multiple people said this exactly multiple people spoke out about him and another person. And they were both fired pending the investigation, you know, no, let's, sorry. let's they even, let's fired even peel, after the investigation. Let's even peel this back. Let's say that she falsely accused him, right? Like let's, yeah. let's mm-hmm. play that game, right? His article was about being canceled by the cancel culture mob and the, the people mob. who he's yeah. working with know his real name and can read this 2018 article yeah. and have, I'm sure. Yeah. And know the allegations. So the, so the story, whether he was falsely accused or not is, Oh, it's this damn leftist cancel culture. That doesn't like me uh, raping women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. He's it playing is disgusting. off. Of, he's playing off of the audience's sympathy for things they're going through. For things like worried about losing their job for having an opinion. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, getting fired for not wanting to to wear a face diaper all the time. Things like that that people are like actually concerned with, just trying to make a nine to five on minimum wage work for their family. This guy's playing off of their sympathies and taking their dollars because he was accused of rape. Yeah. Everyone I talked to at the post-millennial who knew him in that context as their boss believed he was guilty of what he was accused of because it checked out against his character. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you work with somebody and you're like, oh, he'd never be capable. No, they believe he is totally capable of this because that he never stopped Mm -hmm. being that person. They Um, don't. They never do. That's the thing. Yeah. As as Barrett. It's not like a whoopsie. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. As Barrett, he does create a toxic work environment. He's a bully. He constantly mistreats his employees on Slack, publicly, in shared channels. Um, I drove several hours to meet with one of these employees who did not feel comfortable sending me screenshots, but was willing to, in person, show me the Slack channels, show me the Slack messages. And I spent four hours reading through messages um, from these internal channels. Example after example of after example of him swearing at his employees, insulting them, constantly threatening their jobs, being unreasonable and mean. I mean, like I just, it, I want to be so clear here that like it wasn't some disgruntled employee who came to me and complained about being treated unfairly, right? right. I, I saw this for myself and I didn't just see one message on a bad day. I, I read for four hours, example after example after example of how bad this treatment was. There was one female employee in particular who in the messages, he just kicked her around all day, every day. Everybody noticed it. Everybody I talked to brought it up. said they felt awful for her. And I want to be clear. She is not one of the people who talked to me. Um, if, if anybody's watching from the post millennial and you want to try to blame her for the, no, she did not talk to me. Um, but 
I saw for myself in the messages how awful she's treated. Um, just, just the company punching bag. Jeez. Um, I hope she can get out. Like she, uh, they have her believing that she will never find better employment. That with the shitty treatment and the shitty pay, which we'll talk about, she still is better off with a post millennial than anywhere else, which isn't true. Yikes. Yeah, but it's like you said, or you know, it, it this is an environment that allows this type of abuse because these people don't feel like they have any other options. Yeah. Yeah. Um Barrett Wilson used to be more public than he is now. Uh he used that Twitter account that he started after the article um under the pseudonym. But he's he's gotten rid of it now. He published like like the thread said, hundreds of articles uh, on, with a post-millennial as Barrett Wilson. But at some point, uh, he decided to scrub it. So you can't find articles on the post-millennial anymore under his name. So a couple weeks ago, when I first looked it up, you could still find the ones where he had co-written them with other people. Okay. And when I looked it up to, today, or yes, today, today, yeah, I looked it up today and they were gone. So they're like it? don't you actively love digital media scrubbing and instead of the Barrett Wilson byline it's the post millennial byline so it's just a generic this is something this is mm. something that you, uh, you like I'm realizing is happening everywhere where like uh, the memory hole idea from 1984 is mm-hmm. so real because you can read an article we've how many times have we done this where we've read an article and been like this is what it said and sometimes we'll get screenshots sometimes we'll use the wayback machine but it's like here's how they changed it right Tiffany Gomez was another example of them changing that whole thing so to see that this is something that's often used in conservative media to be like the the mainstream left-wing media is lying to you, as they are, and then for them to play into it themselves is like really uh, disappointing, kind of gross. Oh, okay. I'm just, yeah. I didn't know I was going to be so mad. <laughs> like, I've been in this for like two yeah. months, and I'm like... We've talked about it quite off. a bit, yeah. Because I care about these people. I've been talking to these yeah. people for, for a couple months now, and I care about them. And I care about this this female employee who who is stuck in this situation. Um, it's just like we've said before. Like some of the some of the things we talk about seem silly enough. Where like even if they're real, you can kind of have a, a sense of humor about it. And then some of the stuff is just so blatantly real that you mm-hmm. can't you can't not be mad. You're human. Yeah. And you and you like you said, you've met these people. Of course, you're going to be mad. And it's people who are supposed to be representing what you believe. Right. So again, you're going to be mad. This is like house cleaning type stuff and these, right these people they got into conservative media because they <laughs> like they cared <laughs> like hmm. you know you you've got people who are like the yes writer. they just the got writers, a job you mean not not yeah uh, yeah the writers <laughs> i just got a job doing something i want to do like i'm yeah. a conservative and well, i want to i want to be a journalist didn't they know that they were supposed to either rape someone or let a bunch of rapists <laughs> off and that's how you get into conservative that's how you get media? into it yeah that's how you just didn't do it the right way yeah. Let's talk about another person and another way you can get into conservative media. Okay. Libby Emmons. Let's Write do it, it down. Okay, so Libby is ostensibly the boss, right? Officially the boss. So where is she while all this mistreatment is happening? She is like She's right there. <laughs> she she played good cop to his bad cop. 
So he'd treat people terribly and then she'd be like, she'd say something kind of gentle um, while simultaneously supporting him and making excuses for his behavior. So th- just imagine the levels of gaslighting. That's what I was about that to say. A, that's what that, it sounds like, right? That that is. Yeah. Um, it's so disgusting. It's, I mean, it's honestly so evil to, to watch her team be treated this way and then to, you know, make, make your employees feel like you, you have their backs, but also just gaslight them and make excuses for him. Mm-hmm. And why would she do that? What would motivate her to do that? Well, I can think of something. <laughs> you got any guesses, Jax? Uh, I'm looking at, we got a few options here. <laughs> um, she's sleeping with Barrett. Yeah, there we that, was, go. that was my guess. <laughs> um, Bedtime. I have no idea if that's ongoing or if that has ended, but it was certainly happening. Um, and there's an extent to which there's some things I'm going to say where I have been given enough that I am 100% convinced of the veracity. But in order to protect people, I can't really give you the proof. So you can choose to believe it or not. It is a conspiracy channel. It's, this is a conspiracy <laughs> channel. Um, no, but you're right. Like, I know. I, I will back you up on this and say yeah. I know that... Abby has a lot more things she wants to share and show and tell you guys. And I, I, it sucks. I, none of neither one of us want to do a believe me, bro thing. Yeah, it just let's, necessarily let's it is that a little bit though. It sucks. Let's put it this way: you can't get sued for defamation if you're telling the truth. I am not concerned about being sued for defamation because I know the things that I'm saying are true. There you go. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> The post millennial hit piece on you will be the proof. Oh, it'll be great. When that comes out. I can't wait. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. If they try to sue us, that'll be hilarious. So, Um, uh, by the way, people watching the show, listening to the show, if you're a lawyer and you enjoy the show, (laughs) conspiracy pilled at gmail.com, reach out to us. So, Oh goodness. Especially if you're good at defamation lawsuits or, you know, whatever you think that they all try to get us for. So, Let's talk about it. Who who is who is Libby? Who is this who is this lady? She came from a theater background. Yeah. Uh, which is surprisingly common in conservative <laughs> media. Theater, Hollywood, whatever. It, mm-hmm. People who want to perform, who want to be famous performing. She uh, met and married David Marcus while she was while he was writing in the theater world. So she was performing in the theater world, and David Marcus was writing. David Marcus writes for Fox News. Uh, we have a we have a photograph of him. Um, he's written for the Daily Wire, a couple other places. He he just looks like a Fox News contributor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Like if you if you just show me a picture of this guy, and you're like, what is his profession? I'd say he works at Fox News. Yeah. AI generated Fox News anchor yeah, right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Libby and David were married for 20 years and had a kid before getting divorced in 2019. So Libby got her start in conservative media because of David. She wanted a career in theater, but she was canceled out of it due to her views on transgenderism. So again, I don't think becoming a conservative thought leader because you got canceled out of the side you wanted to be on yeah, and the people you wanted to 
do business with. Is this not like the norm though? It's like I'm yeah. I'm I'm left mm-hmm. wing, but I'm not that left wing. Right. Therefore, make me a thought leader for the right. <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's, it's been really a complaint amazing. of mine for literally years. It's been driving me nuts. Yeah. <sighs> After her divorce, not only was Libby known to be sleeping with Barrett, but they were also involved in orgies and other gross sexual behavior off the clock. Again, I'm not concerned about being sued for defamation. <laughs> Do with that what you will. This, When I heard this, it didn't even <clears throat> because it's an open secret in conservative mm-hmm. schools that that orgies, uh, cocaine use, all of that are, are pretty standard fare at CPAC. Seems these like both of we, these things come out every year, at least once a year yep. from somebody, whether it was Elijah Schaefer or Paul Joseph Watson. Now yep. it, it just, it's a thing that we keep hearing about over yep. and over and over again. Yeah. To be clear, none of my sources <clears throat> said anything about cocaine. So we're not saying anything about cocaine, but that is something that I'm just aware of in conservative circles in general, certainly Crowder. Um, so I'm not worried about being sued for defamation because Crowder is definitely on crack. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you got to make sure you get it right. Is it crack or is it, is it cocaine? It's cocaine. Okay. There we go. I, I believe it's cocaine. That's, yeah. that's what I have been. Either way, told. he's having a good time. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Either way, he is awake. And awake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just watch awake. his show. Watch his show and tell me he's not on cocaine. If, if you guys want to be awake and alert and also not a degenerate, you guys can go to northarrowcoffee.co and use code conspiracy10 to get 10% off. You can juice yourself with Java. It is single origin. It's roast to order. It's delicious. It's not drugs. Well, I don't know. Jax might think it's drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, yeah, you can't have coffee and caffeine. But for us, we don't think it's like bad drugs. <laughs> so it's get good, it's, It is drugs. It's the good, good drugs. It is drugs, but it's good drugs. So go to northarrowcoffee.co. It's, it's a good dealer. Code Conspiracy 10. And 15% of every sale goes to pro-life causes. So what, a, what drug dealer out there is giving to pro-life causes besides yeah. North Arrow Coffee? Yeah. It makes doing drugs okay. <laughs> that was a beautiful transition. Cocaine to coffee. Beautiful. Both Libby and Barrett were people who... Cocaine is sold separately. Just have to put that out there. (laughs) North Arrow cocaine. Cocaine sold separately. NorthArrowCoffee.co. Oh my gosh, you guys. Um, Okay, both Libby and Barrett are people who wanted to work in mainstream spaces, but they were canceled and denied access. Barrett went viral and realized he could make money in the conservative space. Libby fell into it through her husband, but neither got into this business because they really believed in the conservative cause. Libby just found another way to be famous. Barrett just found another way to make money bullying young people and sleeping around on the job. Yeah. That's that's what it is, though, isn't it? And, and, it, and, and in Barrett's yeah. case, it's a little bit worse because it's like, yeah, he didn't have anywhere else to go and he knew it. So yeah. he, he was opportunistic and he used a pseudonym to do it. Yeah. And it sucks that we fell for it. Like the right just fell for it. All right. Every regular. We got canceled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Every regular employee at the post millennial was brand new to journalism. Some were coming out of other industries. Some were brand new to the workforce in general. Um, This doesn't include the minor conservative internet celebrities. They picked up from time to time. The influencers, they were a separate category. They were treated better than everybody else. And they didn't see a lot of what was going on. 
Yeah, there is definitely a distinction, like between someone like a you would say like between a Charlie Kirk and just someone who's writing, right? Right. Like, I reached out to a couple, you know, people I knew whose names came up in the Slack channels, but they didn't they didn't talk to me. Gotcha. Um, it seems that the post millennial purposely hired people who wouldn't know any better, who wouldn't know that they were being treated in a manner that was outside industry standard because they never worked in the industry. Aside from the bullying, they were paid ridiculously tiny amounts of money for a lot of work. Several gave me the specifics of what they were paid. I work for a nonprofit, so I don't make a lot, but they were making far less than me for way more hours, way more volume of work crammed into those hours and horrible treatment. They were required to put out a story every hour, which is about double the industry standard. And those I talked to said that they almost never did actual journalism. Most of what they were doing was just... Uh, newsjacking. Uh, so newsjacking is a word that was coined by David Meerman Scott in his book, Newsjacking. And we have a little definition thingamajig. Yep. Uh, now, is it not loading? I, I'm, my no, internet like, slowed down really bad for the last like two minutes. So I was oh, no, it, it came up slow, but it's up now. Okay. Um, this is from the English Oxford Living Dictionary. Uh, noun, marketing, the practice of taking advantage of current events or news stories in such a way as to promote or advertise one's product or brand. So they weren't doing journalistic work, but rather, as this definition says, marketing. They take a story that somebody else had broken and put a specific conservative spin on it. And they weren't just marketing ideas but they were marketing particular conservative celebrities. Hmm. Their articles market employees and partners of the post-millennial and human events. So Libby, they market Libby, they market Andy No, they market Charlie Kirk. Most of all, they market Jack Posobiec. Now, this isn't every single article. They publish bunches of articles just to like drive traffic to their website. Um, Dylan Mulvaney articles, you know, the, the type of things like everybody wants to click on to right. make yeah, money, yeah. Um, but heavily they're doing this newsjacking thing. So let's talk, let's talk about Jack. Now I'm not scared, but I'm not not scared. <laughs> this is the one that where they, everybody, everybody I talked to was like, if you go after Jack, he'll come for you. And I'm like, that's what they told me about Steven Crowder. And he didn't. So <laughs> fight me. Fight me, Jack. Fight me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I am not daring Jack. Okay. Let's just. Okay. Jack got his start on Reddit and 4chan. He was a part of a group of influencers who all, and this is very speculative, um, I talk to who I talk to. I have to protect that identity. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell you what this person concluded from his position of knowing what he was talking about. <laughs> he was part of a group of influencers who all seem to have been created and enabled by the same few people behind the scenes. I'm not even going to name those people because they're super litigious. But the speculation is that their funding comes from Peter Thiel. You guys tracking? <laughs> His name comes up on our show a lot. Yeah. He, it really, really does. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's like sort of conservative, but like part of the elite puppet masters. Yeah, he he's like yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. He's like the semi-conservative puppet master yeah. of of so many things. He's the guy who wants to live forever. He's the guy who helped Elon Musk start PayPal. He was the guy yeah. who was behind all of the AI stuff and and DARPA's project that to make Facebook a thing that tracks everything you do. Yeah. He's in everything. So the idea that his money is funding people who are creating these influencers behind the scenes, like rich, powerful men who aren't particularly charismatic. I'm not talking about Peter Thiel anymore. I'm talking about the people I'm not naming who aren't particularly charismatic, aren't particularly good at social media and don't particularly want their names involved. They were recruiting the types of guys who were charismatic and who were good at social media and who wanted to be famous at like any cost. And they would build those guys up into influencers to push the types of ideas that they and Peter wanted to see controlling the discourse. Right. This is a conspiracy theory channel. Okay. (laughs) Allegedly secret cabal. Allegedly it's the Jews. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that kind of conspiracy channel. (laughs) That's overused right there. (laughs) So it appears kidding. (laughs) It appears to me from my research and from the people I've talked to, that the same people who created Jack Posobiec created Q. Yeah, I was hearing the same thing from people I won't name, but yes. Yeah. Like, were we talking about the same person? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I make sure. So I make sure. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, we have a really good uh, fan of the show who was just kind of in the know in this corner of the internet and At this uh, time, yeah. reached out after we did the Q episode and was like, yeah, so here's what I know. It was hilarious because, uh, again, not going to name this person, but like it was, uh, I liked your Q episode. You know that Jack Posobiec was involved in this way and this way and this way. And I was like, holy crap, Abby's working on a story. <laughs> Tell me more, bro. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's but, connected to the QAnon, like the creation of QAnon. Yeah. Like creating the character. Intriguing. Um. But Jack, I don't believe Jack is Q. No, nobody I talk to believes Jack is Q. But he is, I've noticed similarities um, with his tweets and Q, especially with his intelligence LARPing. So I want to look at his Twitter bio real quick and just point a couple things out. He likes to, he likes to play up a couple things and, and they are all in his bio. Um, parts of his brand that he really makes a big deal of. Um, Navy intelligence veteran, Catholic. And then these Chinese symbols, which literally just say Mandarin in Chinese. It's, it's like, <laughs> it, I thought it, it was going to say furniture. It says Chinese in Chinese. Okay. So what Mandarin. you're telling me is that Jack Posobiec is a basic white bitch with like the, the <laughs> yes. bad Chinese tattoo. Yes. That basic doesn't say white yes. boy right here. <laughs> uh, and it then says, it says that my spirit flows like water. It's like, actually, it says furniture. Like, <laughs> um, It says Polish restaurant is his uh, location. So he, like, he, likes to, he likes to play up his kind of like being in the know, intelligence, worldwide intelligence. Um, he's Polish. His wife's Russian. He's this Navy intelligence vet. He just knows things. Okay. Trust me, bro. I'm, I, was, I was an agent. Why is it always specifically the Navy when we get these like intelligence psyop people like that's always the Navy <laughs> because the Navy has the most useless <laughs> intelligence officers with like yeah. low level clearance who want to talk about it. 
That's what I think. Yeah, that makes okay, sense. Okay, so let's talk about this a minute. He was in the Navy reserves. That's not the not, not exactly the same. Yeah. His clearance level was not particularly impressive <laughs> at all. And that clearance was revoked in 2017 after Trump retweeted his take on the Charlottesville riots, which like you can make things sound way cooler than they are. Like, for instance, I could tell you with a straight face and not be lying that I was in the army and had a classified, uh, you know, clearance. Yeah. yeah. Which I, which is I was in the army national guard and we, and classified was like a thing that we had for this one thing one time. And it was like, not <laughs> cool at all. <laughs> like I didn't know anything. <laughs> you just had a clearance one time. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I got on Twitter for a mission in- for a mission in Africa, which was <laughs> oh, by the way, building a school, like everything sounds cooler if you leave out the details. Yeah. 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 He, he presents himself as somebody who was up until very, very recently in the know, mm-hmm. but like he hasn't had that clearance since 2017. And even then it wasn't a cool clearance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he likes to play up that he's fluent in Mandarin, but he's not, he he's been described as, you know, like mid mid at best with the, with the Mandarin. <laughs> Um, these are just a couple examples of how Jack has. Wait, why is the Mandarin there again? Because he, he thinks sp- it makes him cool. He speaks Mandarin. Like it's so late. Does he actually speak Mandarin? He's not good at it, but he pretends okay. he's fluent okay. in Go- it. Google yeah. translate level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Navy, Navy intelligence levels of Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he has a tendency to misrepresent himself. Um, mm-hmm. His, re- his resume, his skill set, in order to make his branding cooler. So, so he was a, so he was a, um, what's the word for it? A guy that translated messages essentially, right? Like he would just get messages in Chinese and translate them. Like that's not that he, he ordered from the Chinese restaurant down the street for the whole group. (laughs) Yeah. The one that that you had to speak Mandarin in order. Yeah. And they had (laughs) really good, they had really good Chinese food. Oh, like, you go, you're going to pay express the egg roll nowhere. We're going to get sued for this. This is the part of the show we're going to get sued for. Ah, PJ. No, allegedly. Makes- what I don't know. Can I say allegedly at the end of every joke and it's all good? <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. The he makes a big deal out of his Catholicism as well. It, it's all part of a brand that he is selling. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center did a whole hit piece on Jack about he's, how he's basically a white supremacist. And we, on the right, tend to completely dismiss these hit pieces without considering them at all because it's not shocking to us that the left hates us and they're going to say literally anything to discredit us. And they've been calling all of us white supremacists for forever. Yeah, it's the boy who cried wolf at this point. It's like right. everybody's a white supremacist. Right. Uh, Clarence Thomas was a, a white supremacist. Oh, he's the worst one. Yeah, yeah. So white. Larry so Elder so was a white supremacist. Yeah. It's the supremacist part, the Supreme Court part works, but the yeah, so the supreme. White part, yeah, yeah. I, think, I mean, we got to give a little bit of credit. But no, what the, what this Southern Poverty Law Center investigation kind of comes down to is that in his deep past, when he was getting built up into this influencer. He used and participated in really unsavory elements of the hard right in order to get famous. And then when he did get famous, he tried to clean up his image once he didn't need them anymore. 
And I have heard a lot of people say this, that Jack used to be somebody else, but he, he shifted and changed into what was going to work and what was going to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, just not, not an authentic guy. This, the, not a, not a leader, not somebody who really believes in this, but somebody who was, who was sold from a young age that he could be famous if he did X, Y, and Z correctly. Mm-hmm. And he used the right people to help him gain followers. And this is as, as somebody who has a, a pretty good amount of followers on Twitter. That's, that is how you get followers. You, you make friends in this group of people and you kind of pick up that whole group and then you make friends in this other group of people. You pick up the, that whole group. You kind of build it up by communities. Well, he built up his fame on really, really bad, hard right, anti-Semitic, all that, all that bullshit stuff that we know exists. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what do you guys think of, what do you guys think of that? A lot of people will deny that they did this and that, and that's always been frustrating to me where it's like, they'll be like, oh, they call us all this and this and that. And the, and I didn't do this. And it's like, but you look and they're, it's more than a wink and a nod to the alt-right. It's more than a, you know, a little bit of anti-Semitism. It's like, can I, can I do this when it's, you know, when it gets me this group and then I kind yeah. of covered because we're all called white supremacists anyway. Yep. Yeah. I, I, it happens more than like it, yeah. it bothers me. What do you think, Jax? I think he fits in with the people you've brought up so far, this whole group that you're discussing the same circle where they, they want something and they're just finding the easiest avenue to get what they want. They're like yes. water. They're just filling up whatever crack they can. Yep. Yeah. 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 They, they want to be famous. They want to be rich. They want to be influential by whatever means necessary. Like we have, everyone on the screen has, limits right i'm not gonna go and simp for fuentes so that i can get more followers yeah i'm just not gonna do it but he had no problem with that sort of stuff well i would say like there's our two biggest beefs with the conspiracy community in the last year have been the two most popular conspiracy theories and it's like yeah we're not coming out here we're not debunkers that are like coming out here to like you know trash on conspiracies every week but we are honest and some people will be like, oh, you're this, you're that. If you, you know, some things are true. Some things are not true. We want to yeah. find out what's true. We want to be honest about what it is. We could have picked up more followers by being like, yeah, this Tartaria stuff's really got something interesting to it. And I think the earth really is flat. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, I'm, not, I'm not going to do that. I see your lie to you. <laughs> uh, okay. We get, we get literally um, almost weekly. We get, um, Request to have some of the biggest names in conspiracy on our show that we turned down. Cause I'm like, I don't want to sit here for four hours and be lectured to about something I know is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want, and I those don't are the people we don't have on the water. show. It's like, I know it's not true. I've yeah. done the research. I'm not going to sit here and entertain be like, Oh yeah, no, that that's totally ma- It's just, yeah, yeah no, would I'm it, not going to waste get us my more time. Clicks? Sure. But I, I have a, a, you know, truth. I like this to show. The show. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I like I the don't show. That's the thing. I want it to be our show. I don't want it to be like, well, maybe it'll be more successful, but then it'll be something that we're not trying to build. Yeah. yeah. And that's All exactly right, so, what Jack and them are. Yeah. They're, they're building something that isn't actually what they are. They're building a persona. This has been when, so Abby asked me this like a year ago when we started this show, she's like, what do you think about Jack Posobiec? I'm like, I've never seen someone I think is more fake. <laughs> like I'm, I can't yeah. say with any certainty that he's a bad guy. I just don't his whole persona seems so incredibly derived. Yeah. 
It seems like he came out of a Cracker Jack box for like the conservative, you know, like. Yeah. And the only head. time he breaks is when somebody yeah. questions him. And then he goes off, right? You've seen him drag. I, I've mm-hmm. called him out for doing this. I'm like, why are you picking on an account? You have a massive account. And you're picking on this account with 300 followers because they hurt your feelings. Right. Do better. Catholic. Mr. Mr. I'm such a great Catholic. Okay. Let's, let's review the timeline real quick. Jack was hired by Human Events in 2021. So Jeff Webb hired Jack in 2021 into human events and human events bought the post millennial in 2022. But Jack already had an unofficial relationship with the post millennial years before any of that. The way that employees I talked to put it was tweet laundering. The post millennial writers would be instructed or encouraged to include Jack's tweets in their articles. And in return, he would tweet or retweet those articles. This made Jack look more important because the reader's assumption was going to be that his tweets were featured organically because he was such right. an important, influential voice. And Jack's quid pro quo helped the post millennials bottom line. This is I more read, news jacking, which is what you were saying earlier. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just building him up into a bigger celebrity I read articles from the left on Jack and the post-millennial that were noticing this and thinking it was kind of strange as early as 2020 mm-hmm. before he was ever hired by human events and before human events ever bought the post-millennial. Now that, now that human events owns the post-millennial, this, this promotion of Jack has increased massively. Writers at the and post-millennial. And it's a conflict of interest like right in the. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? I, think I don't know so. if the conflict of interest is the right word, but like, <clears throat> he, yeah, I don't know. It it feels a little slimy when you like when a Daily Wire article features a Ben Shapiro tweet. You're like, oh yeah, Ben Shapiro owns the Daily Wire. The mm-hmm. the correlation is clear. The mm-hmm. relationship is clear. So you understand why his tweets being featured. You understand that it's not organic. Even now, with how the the websites are structured, it still has the appearance of being organic when they feature his tweets. But writers at the post millennial are instructed to produce Jack related content every day and his personal political preferences, cultural opinions and religion heavily influence what gets published. For example, there's a story about sexual abuse in a Catholic church that never got published because Jack is Catholic. I searched through their site and found many articles that covered various sex abuse scandals, including um, the LDS church, but there was only one article in the entire whatever that was about a Catholic organization, and that was published in 2019 before they began a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Before they officially began a relationship with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, articles and headlines that were appropriately written in a neutral voice toward Trump or DeSantis were changed to show Trump in an optimal light and DeSantis in an unfavorable one because Jack is team Trump. Mm -hmm. This was the same for articles about France or South Africa. If those articles didn't show those countries in the terrible light that Jack preferred, they were edited to match his views. 
This, this, just, this, this is weird because this isn't even the like there's pl- there's problems all over the conservative media space, but this isn't a norm, by the way. No. Like if you read Babylon B or Daily Wire or anybody else I can think of off the top of my head, you'll get different writers have different opinions. You, you, you know, you've got mm-hmm. some people that are a lot more DeSantis, some people a lot more Trump. You're seeing people that are supportive of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like there's just like one top down push for one guy because you've got a bunch of different writers and art. Right. People like Andy No aren't even really politically like everybody else. Like Andy No is someone who's there who's kind of I'm trying to remember his backstory, but he's not really particularly conservative. He's covering Antifa has been his thing yeah. for a long time. He's mm-hmm. very anti Antifa, but I wouldn't say that makes him a pro Trump guy necessarily, does it? Maybe I'm just not that familiar with Andy No outside of his Antifa work. I, I really barely know anything about him either. Yeah. Other and, than that he's one of the celebrities that the post millennial promotes it's because of his i think it's because of his work against antifa specifically yeah i don't really understand why they're so standoffish of touching the catholic church just because he's catholic i feel like if you're you're catholic you want the church to be as good as possible you think so if there is a true thing happening right here and you want to root it out then of course you would want to root it out but he wants to hide it just because he's catholic yeah. I think this is the problem. We've talked about this before where I'm like, look, I grew up in a Methodist church. I have denounced what the Methodist church has become entirely, uh, not what they used to stand for, not the, you know, whatever. But like when my church that I grew up in left the Methodist church, I was happy because I seen yeah. where they went, right? Like we talk about uh, Christian pastors, corruption, Joel Osteen, things like that all the time because we want, we care about the things we believe in and we don't want to see them hijacked by terrible people. Right. But I, I, I wonder if this is the, the thing that the Catholic Church has a hard time getting over as a whole. I'm not saying everybody is that there's such an appeal to authority. I feel like that it kind of does that make sense. Like yeah. the Pope is has to be kind of perfect and the bishops kind of have to be perfect. Right. It's kind of baked into the religion that a little bit too much. You want you want to cover up, talk about it as little as possible. Yeah, and maybe, and again, I'm not talking about all Catholics, but yeah, for certain, like Jack would, if he's a Catholic, would care about making his church better. He would be like, I don't want the priests there with the QR codes on their chest. I want them out yeah. of the church. <laughs> right. Do people not know that? So for, by the way, if people are listening and don't know what I'm talking about when I say QR codes, a story I think this year yeah. was like p- Catholic priests who were accused or convicted of, you know. Child sexual child abuse. sexual abuse will have to wear QR codes so that way you can scan them and know what chi- you know how many children they raped essentially. So that way you can know if you want like, to take confession with this guy or something. Like imagine if you just made them not priests. Like, <laughs> see, like <laughs> made them not. It's a lot of work to keep a child rapist on your staff. Imagine lo- if you just made them not. And that's a story that I believe the Daily Wire covered, but and the Post Millennial should have covered it. Right. They like covering sexual abuse. That it drives it drives clicks. They, they've done lots of articles on it. There's there's no indication that they're trying to avoid the topic, and there's no indication that they're trying to avoid the topic within religious circles. Just, Just if it has church. to do with the Catholic Church cheerleading or a certain case in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if there's some connection to the post millennial, then they won't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. To to Jack in particular. Hmm. So when the writers questioned why they had to feature and defer to Jack so much, Libby communicated that the post-millennial would be nothing without Jack, which is weird considering the website doesn't communicate that he has 
any affiliation with them beyond being employed by their employer. That's weird. The, the post-millennial came before Jack's rise to fame, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they well, started Jack as was a already, Canadian. Like he was on the public side, but the post-millennial was bigger. I don't think so. I think Jack was, was bigger than bigger than them, which is why it was helpful when he retweeted their articles, I which see. is why the quid pro quo worked. Um, but they definitely built him I up I kind of just had the bigger. idea that they had both risen each other up a little bit like, yeah. Hey, we're featuring this guy, Jack Posobiec. And people are like, who's he? It's like, oh, you know who Jack Posobiec is? You yeah. should go follow him. He's it's a big It's a little deal. bit of both, isn't it? Right? Yeah, it is a little bit of both, right? Like they they legitimized him and he legitimized them. It was yeah. mutually beneficial. Like, look, I'm being featured in in articles. Yeah. Uh, my tweets have been featured in post-millennial and articles look, and this, I share them like, popular guys this. sharing our articles. Yeah. It's both yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. So post-millennial does this tweet laundering and promotion to a lesser extent for Libby and for others who are on the staff or connected in some way like Andy No and Charlie Kirk. What do you, th- what do you think about the tweet laundering thing? It seems, it's like a morally gray thing. It, it would be better if they were open about their connection. Yeah. Cause it'd be yeah, like when you brought up the daily wire, how they, they they're obviously going to use like Ben Shapiro's tweets or Matt Walsh's tweets in articles about them. But when it's they're not clear on their connection and they're kind of building each other up and not super open about the connection, I can understand why some people would have a problem with that. Yeah. I would say, too, like <clears throat> it, it, it feels like I, I know the editorial staff has, you know, final say over articles, but it feels like there's so much editing going on that I'm not sure what the people are there for. At this point, they just need chat GPT to like search out right. Jack Basowicz tweets and like rephrase <laughs> him. Right. I mean, that's honestly like, what how it, would you as a journalist feel if you're just like, no, you can't talk about anything except this dude like all day, every day. Yeah. They feel shitty. <clears throat> they they feel shitty to. about it. Yeah. They, they'd like to be doing actual <clears throat> journalism. I had one guy say in my entire time there, I wrote one article I was proud of. That is so sad. Considering the news cycle we've had for the last however many years. Yeah. Yeah. That's really sad. I feel bad for him. Yeah. So that's, that's everything I have on the post millennial. And now I want to just kind of pull the camera out and look at like the whole spread of conservative media and like what the fuck's going on with it at this point. Cause is it just me or does it feel like we continually keep finding out that the heroes of our movement are shit are shitty people. Yeah, no, it's exactly what it feels like. And <clears throat> I mean, I know you and me personally off off air have had these conversations a lot because yeah. the idea is like some of these people I wonder, and maybe this is just a good question to start with is like, are these bad people from the get go mm. or are these people who have been corrupted because they're in, in the situations they're in They're They're, they always wanted fame a little bit more than they wanted truth. Like where, where, mm. do, where do you guys think that balances out? I used to think that it was a good person got into this for the right reasons and then <laughs> fame slowly did them in. But now I'm like, Oh, I'm not Stephen so sure Crowder was, anymore, was in Hollywood. Libby was in theater. Jack was just wanted to be famous and was groomed into be a specific type of influencer by people mm-hmm. who wanted him to push a specific type of idea. 
Barrett. Uh, it seems like a lot of people who get into it are just, they're just conservatives for revenge. I use one of Steven Crowder's favorite quotes to, to agree with him. in this one thing, he, his, his idea is basically that money does money makes you more of who you are. Mm. I think he's right. I think he's right. I think a lot of these people, uh, you know, maybe they were like on a lower level, they were like basically good, but yeah. basically good when you, you know, grow out like both ends of that spectrum, you become bigger and more influential and right. have more power. Basically good's not enough. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're basically promoting the right ideas, but basically is, you know, this much. And then the rest of it is abusing employees and, whatever else can can fit in there right because you have more power you can do more good and you can do more evil and i think that that's i think in a lot of cases that's what's happening yeah so you think jacks yeah i think you're I, well, like going back to if they're good people becoming bad people i think it can be a mixture of both at least with the examples abby has brought up today these are people who definitely had some bad uh tendencies that they like to indulge in and then they have been mm-hmm. given positions where now they have much more power and much more options that they can choose and they're consistently choosing some of the worst options and mm-hmm. abusing people yeah like none of none of the stuff that was told to me about the post millennial surprised me because it's it's not the first time i'd heard of of people in conservative media only being about their own fame and money and not really believing what they were selling to people, not believing what they were making their money off of. Um, it's not the first time I've heard of conservative celebrities building their brand and their fame on the backs of underpaid and wildly mistreated employees that, that they will never credit. Um, and it's not the first time I've heard of conservative employees afraid to speak out because they're conservatives. Eh. Yeah. No, you're Speaking right. is hard. No, because their conservatism was weaponized against them, right? Yeah. That, you know, afraid of never being able to work again in their field if they tell the truth about things that n- need the truth told about them. So, so one example of this that Jax has been really interested in is the, the James O'Keefe Project Veritas situation. And I've heard so much at this point from employees and people who know him about what a shitty person James is and how horribly he treats his employees and how he makes sure he's the center of attention and that no one but him gets the credit for the work. Um, the, the whole, you saw it in, in the way that people were like, James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. How can they fire him? He is them. Like, they're nothing without him. And th- that's the narrative that he built around himself, that he was the entire company and that he was every, you know, his employees were just like, whatever. But. Which I would uh, refute considering no, some of the employees and they're good exactly. People. They're, they're great people. <clears throat> yeah. But this is an example of, of people tried to tell the truth about who mm-hmm. James was and what he had done to harm his company. Um, the misappropriation of funds. People tried to tell the truth and got screamed down by people who would rather keep their hero in James. This is what's interesting is like, if your whole job is exposing people who are doing corrupt things, how do you fall into like doing corrupt? Is it because you think you have control over the narrative from your side or like, I don't know, man, is he not worried about like someone from the other side sending a plant into his company or something like that? I don't know. It just, he just acted like he was untouchable. And that's what, that's what the employee said. So I think Jax is going to cover this story in a lot more depth because new yeah. stuff came out 
in this last month, new stuff came out just like yesterday or whenever the Washington Post article was published about the audit. Oh, any any thoughts on this, Jax, before we move on? I I think you can very easily draw the line between uh, post-millennial and their connection with Jack Post-Sobiec and um, O'Keefe's treatment in um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Breitbart? Not o- it's not OMG. What, what, what's his old one that he just screwed oh, over? Project Veritas. Project uh, Veritas? Yeah, Project Veritas. Sorry. <laughs> I completely forgot what their name was. Yeah. The, their treatment on how they said that or how people treated him and saying that Project Veritas is nothing without him, how he yeah. set it up to be that way. That's exactly how the post-millennial was treating itself with Jack. Right. So you, like that you have would a be nothing and without I Jack. I could very yeah. easily also say the same thing with Steven Crowder. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. And um, one thing that people like Project Veritas has been falling apart. And, and what one thing people thought was like, James said, they're going to fall apart without me. And then they did. And then it's like, see, James was right. But when you create a toxic work environment, it's going to be toxic even after you're gone. Mm-hmm. And it was. And what happened before we move on is, is that after they exited James, um, there was a power struggle and the wrong people won. Yeah. And, and it between what James did on his way out and, um, and that, yeah, it's probably, it's probably finished and it's really, it's really sad because it was a, it was a, it was a good company. They did good well, work. <clears throat> Not to speak. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead, Jax. Something that's worse about that is, the, the power struggle and who has acquired that power afterwards and how it's going to fall apart. All it does is reinforce what O'Keefe was saying beforehand, even though right. he's wrong, even right. though it's his fault, it just because the outcome of him leaving who took control afterwards and what they have done, right. it just proves to everyone that, Oh, O'Keefe was right about this. There's right. a ser- there's a serious hero worship problem on the right, and I think it yes. comes from a serious cowardice on the right, and that's yes. something that a lot of people don't want to say. But like nobody will, nobody's willing to stand up for themselves and take the risks. So <clears throat> one person who will is God to them. Trump is yes. literally Jesus to so many people, and they're not even joking. And, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's a bit of a joke." I'm like, "Well, blast! I take blasphemy <laughs> a little seriously, dude." Like, I, I don't know, like uh, the whole Jesus on Easter tweets and uh, Jesus wouldn't have been crucified if he had an AR-15 and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty disgusting stuff. But, you know, Trump becomes a Jesus figure to some people. And then all you have to say, and I've t- tested this out and Abby's tested this out, <laughs> just tweet out, Trump is not Jesus or Trump is not God. Yeah. And people they'll get so mad People will freak out. People will freak out. And I think that's because people... Uh, generally don't want to take the risks and don't want to do the things. And so when they see anybody do any of that um, and they are nominally on their side, even if it's not really on their side, as we see all the time, uh, they're just untouchables. And then all of the peons who are not, and I don't mean to you know discredit them or anything. I'm saying like they get treated like peons, like they don't matter, but they're the backbones mm-hmm. of, of post millennial, the backbones of project Veritas, or the backbones of louder with Crowder <clears throat> and they don't matter. Right. Right. Even if even if it makes the show worse, which happened all the time with Crowder, right? All Let's the talk time. about Crowder. Let's yes. talk about Crowder. 
So another great example of this is Steven Crowder. Um, and I wanted to talk about these other, these other people, James and Steven, because there's like, there's a through line, like Jack said, there's a through line of similar behavior, similar treatment of employees, similar hero status, untouchable, like I can do whatever I want and I can get away with anything I want because I am, I'm the celebrity here. Um, so I've talked to a lot of ex Crowder employees who are under NDAs and afraid to say anything publicly because they know Crowder would destroy their lives. And I've also talked to people close to Hillary, Hillary Crowder, um, who weren't under NDAs, but they're still afraid Stephen would destroy their lives. So anyone who's paid any attention to the whole saga knows the following things. We have camera footage of Stephen being awful to his very pregnant wife, telling her that he doesn't love her, telling her to give a medicine to their dog that pregnant women aren't supposed to handle because it's toxic, um, trying to keep her from using their one car to get groceries. And in that video, Hillary said, Stephen, your abuse is sick. And, and to corroborate that, Hillary's family came out saying that Stephen was abusing her and that she hid it from them for a long time. So we got to see on camera this thing. And then it was corroborated. Yeah, the video, the the video is pretty clear. The video is pretty, pretty clear. And and I'll say this too: a lot of people didn't point this out, but the whole one car thing that is uh, so controlling. Yeah, that is a psychotic behavior. Controlling your family. Yeah, severe sign of a controlling, abusive personality. Because we see him sitting at his millions, million at least dollar home next to his pool, lounging out, and I'm like, look, I don't, I'm not. This isn't a rich people bad thing. He has enough money for two cars. So much money. They're He's, not getting a second car for a reason. There's that, a reason yeah, he hasn't point. bought a second car. That's right. my point. And yeah. it's so that when she wants to get groceries, he can say, but what if I want to leave the house? Which yeah. she was so pregnant at that point, he should have been offering to go get her whatever she needed and to do whatever she needed. Holy crap. What is wrong with you? But so, so that's the first thing we know. The second thing we know, it, everybody who's been paying any type of attention knows, is this article we have pulled up, is this abuse of the staff and sexual harassment of the staff. So a lot of staff members, some of the same people that talked to me, talked to the New York Post, um, came out and told a, told a lot of things about a lot of really gross stuff that happened. Um, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. Well, it's Steven Crowder, he's the king of conservative media. Right. Like and then that, that's why. <laughs> people started to care when Dave Landau came out because Dave mm-hmm. Landau had just enough of that celebrity status, just enough of being loved by his audience. And he didn't sign an NDA. Mm-hmm. And he went on with Michael Malice and actually very softly, very softly said and hinted at some of this stuff. And people were like, oh, and this is the moment that people who had been screaming at me about Crowder stopped. Some people were like, oh, okay. I guess he's bad. And some people, some people just didn't yeah. want, yeah. Yeah. wouldn't apologize or say they were wrong, but were just like, oh, I can't defend that. So yeah. the Crowder bros are still there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it wasn't enough to watch him <clears throat> abuse his wife. But once, once Landau said he was shitty, some people changed their minds. Mm-hmm. And then Landau partnered with Quarter Black Garrett. Yeah. 
which mm-hmm. is uh, Quarter Black Garrett, as far as I know, never said anything. Nope. But that's a pretty Not strong once. endorsement of the truth. Yep. Yep. And I'm sure he had an NDA. So I'm sure he did. Yeah. Um, well, Quarter Black Garrett is one of the people that I saw whenever the Hillary story came out where he's like, I stand with Hillary. Like, oh, um, he did say um, that? Um, that's, um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, similar to, um, uh, like, Jared did a, a yeah. tweet where he was like, For you sure. know, Hil- I like Hillary a lot. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm with them on this. So yeah, a lot of ex-employees came out in support of Hillary when it all dropped. Yeah. Um, okay. And then most recently, the cheating allegations. <laughs> and by the time the cheating allegations came out, nobody cared because everybody who had turned on Stephen had already turned on him. And yeah. everybody who had stuck with him was going to stick with him through literally anything. And when you say literally anything, you mean like, oh, wait, I have the wrong thing. <laughs> this one. Literally yes. anything. Yeah. <laughs> so so he addressed, if you missed it, <sighs> when he addressed the allegations that he cheated on his wife, he was like, look, I have been in an ongoing divorce for two years. So, yeah. I've been with some women. <laughs> um, it could be 10 years until we're finally divorced. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So like that makes it okay. What was really, what was really kind of gross is I used to watch the show a lot and uh, um, why can't I think of his name? Gerald a, yeah, <laughs> they would get in debate sometimes of like, if it was ever okay for divorce and Gerald was always right. like, no, there's no reason for divorce ever. Right. You stay with your wife, no matter what you make it work. It doesn't matter if she cheated on you. You find yeah. you find a way. You find a way, and then yeah. he get, and then he cows Jared into uh, or get, I'm sorry Gerald. Gerald into sitting there and being a part of this gag of him being like, yeah, I'm cheating on my wife, uh, but we're kind of going through a divorce, so it's not really cheating, and I'm going to continue to sign cheat up on to my date wife. Me. Yeah, sign, sign up, up to, to date. Sign me. up to date me. <sighs> this is this is what pisses me off because I know I can already hear what some people are thinking are going to say maybe before this that we're going to is you know are you guys being too puritanical? Like you can't forgive people. People have flaws. It's not about people having flaws. I think that we do have to have uh, forgiveness for people yeah. who have messed up, but there's two, there's two. Sorry. Yeah. They have to be, that's exactly, <laughs> you have to be sorry. And instead, Steven Crowder's doubling down. Jack yeah. Posobiec's doubling down. James O'Keefe is doubling down. They're all doubling down on their corruption and saying, no, you have to support my corruption. It's good, actually, and I'm going to continue to be corrupt, and I'm going to continue to do more and more corrupt mm-hmm. things. That is a, that is awful. That is an unattainable yeah. uh, movement, right? right. That, that, that is a, that is an unsustainable, sorry, that's what I meant, unsustainable movement. And furthermore, we've pointed this out in our Ezekiel readings and things like that. When you're a leader, you have to be better. Yeah. You do. I mean, you, you, nobody's perfect, but you ha- you're held to a higher standard. So when people hold you, you to a higher standard, you're, you chose to be a leader. You chose to be a right. thought leader. You chose to be the leader of a company. You chose to be the leader of whatever. You took on that responsibility. And when, when the, you got Gerald here, who's got a better <laughs> understanding. And then, yeah. and then like a couple weeks ago, Gerald was going after me on Twitter because he just couldn't stand yeah, it I anymore. Saw that. It was great. <laughs> it was so funny to watch him melt down. Um, but but the, it, like Another example of, of instead of actually addressing an allegation, just mocking it, James mm-hmm. O'Keefe was accused, one of the specific things he was accused of was was taking a Subway san- sandwich from a very pregnant woman because he thought he should have it instead. And so when he did his promo for his new Project Veritas, his OMG, whatever it's called now, 
in the promo, he has a Subway sandwich and he's like doing all his posing. And then in the end of the video, he like just drops maybe, it on the maybe, ground. Maybe, and maybe we it. need to cancel Subway. Listen, we, like we had Bud Light <laughs> with Dylan Mulvaney. And then as soon as Dylan Mulvaney loses some $32 billion, who do they go after? Bill yeah. Gates. Let's go for the guy who's even more clear that he wants to depopulate people. And then we got Subway. We got Jared. We got, we got uh, Jussie Smollett. I don't know, man. Subway's <laughs> starting to look pretty bad. Um, yes. So, but there are people who will watch somebody do that. Watch somebody mock the thing that they were accused of. Crowder mocking the dating thing. James mocking the, the sandwich thing. Mm-hmm. And just still clap for it. And yeah. just, you know, so I want to show you one one last thing and then we can kind of wrap up the discussion on this. I tweeted on the 14th, August 14th. Ladder with Crowder is imploding and this is a good thing. We need the leaders of the conservative movement to be genuine, moral men, not abusive grifters who beat down their employees and spew talking points they don't believe for money and fame. And I want to highlight this response because it's such a common response, but this is like the clearest, most, you know, um, concentrated of the responses. Mm -hmm. Concise. Yeah. I'm with Crowder on this. I don't really care about all that other stuff. I just want good content. And then he, he responds to somebody else here. They're doing some good things. If somebody was wronged, I'm sorry to hear that. But really my interest is listening to one of the best shows out there. Steven Crowder was proven 100% right in the Daily Wire beef. No, he wasn't, but whatever. Um, <laughs> even if he was wrong, that was a conversation that needed to be have. Yeah. With, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he's essentially saying that because the content is good, because he does good things, he does not care. And in fact, there's, there's another reply from the same guy. Um, to the abuse allegations or something where he was like, didn't know that. Don't care. Mm. La 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 la. <laughs> right. Why it, don't we care? What I understand. <laughs> well, cause I, this, I'm sorry. I try not to rant too much here, but what I feel like everybody's forgotten is what the conservative movement's supposed to stand for. And that I think that nobody really gets it. And I, I, I sought out to be able to answer this question thoroughly uh, a few years ago where I was like, man, everybody's saying they're conservative now that Trump's in office, but like, no, they're not like conservative, you know, tranny conservative abortion doctor, uh, conservative communist was one this week. Did you see that conservative mega communist? <laughs> not joking. That was on Tim pool. Oh yeah. Yeah. The mega. I, I didn't even watch it. I didn't want to, but like, wow, <laughs> I just saw the clip. My point is like, none of that means anything. Right. So I was trying to figure out like, what is, what is modern day conservative conservatism supposed to be based on? And I thought just by everything I've read and all the reference referential points and going back, it was uh, God and man at Yale was the book that essentially it's all based on. Mm. And none of these people, like none of the conservative movement is going by that anymore. Like there's some people, I would say Michael Knowles is one of those people who understands that book and tries to base his ideas off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you agree with him or not, he at least understands what conservatism history is right. and where the movement was going. And that's why I think we actually have something that's beyond whatever that is. It's a new conservatism uh, and it's it's not that at all. And I don't it, it, the name's worthless if it doesn't have a definition. and It doesn't have a, a principle. And, a, you know, right. I think the other thing we've you've already kind of alluded to it, this idea that like if they're doing good work, yeah, they're disqualified from criticism because there are too few people doing good work. 
Like the, the idea that we're so desperate for people to stand up for our beliefs that we don't care who they are and if they actually believe it. Because we don't want to stand up for them. We're too. The people who seal clap for James O'Keefe, the people who seal clap for Steven Crowder after all this time, who will continue to defend the post-millennial and Jack and all of them, regardless of any of this that they've, they've heard, are not brave enough to fight for these things themselves. So they need these heroes and they need to not hear any reason why their hero isn't, isn't cutting it. I agree that that's part of it, but I would also say that sometimes you need a, a movement from the ground up and these people are willing to let these big unknown people who are in charge of, uh, you know, celebrity rape allegations and stuff <laughs> like that, uh, yeah. lead their movement. And instead it's like, it's not that there's not good people out there. It's that there's good people who don't want to work with that guy. You know what I mean? There's good people who don't want to work with Steven Crowder, who don't want to work with uh, the post millennial and stuff like that. And they're not getting they're not getting that groundswell that they should because everybody's just like, I need this spoon fed to me with like who looks like who I imagine the person should look like. And that's who Jack Posobiec is. He looks like the poster child. Right. Right. And I do want to make a distinction, to be fair, between James and Steven and Jack. Mm-hmm. Because James does not claim to be a Christian of any type. Stephen claims to be a Christian and Jack claims to be a Catholic. Libby doesn't claim to be a Christian of any type. Mm-hmm. So I do hold them to slightly different standards, but I, I do think we, we can and should hold people to the standard they are selling. Yes. Like well, if, what, if you're making was, your money by being a good Christian man, then I expect you to be a good Christian man. That's I, I guess I, f- I forgot to finish my point earlier, but that was my point, right? With the things like uh, God, a man at Yale by William F. Buckley Jr. Yeah. And the, the, the foundations of the movement, I think Kangman Lee actually said it best. If you want to sum it up in what those things all come down to is that conservatism is Christian morality in politics. That is the best definition for it, basing it on where it comes from. Yeah. Nobody wants to accept that definition or read that book because that's not what the movement is anymore, um, unfortunately. But yeah, so if you're gonna if you're gonna sell yourself as these things, if you're gonna make a case against the left on moral grounds, right. being a moral person is important. And most of the cases against what the left is doing are on actually all cases are on moral grounds. If you just take them down to their root, everything you believe is based in some form of morality. Yeah, call me crazy, but I think abusing your wife should disqualify disqualify you from being a leader in the conservative movement. Right. And I think that being in should be in, pretty. Yeah. yeah. Why embroiled? didn't we throw him out immediately right there? Right. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Being embroiled in a child sex scandal should disqualify you from owning a successful conservative media company. Yeah. Yeah. Just to go back to that question though, it, it seems like it's just a, it's a collection of things. There's people who have, who have t- accepted little bits of corruption along the way uh, you know, being silent on this issue and doing this because and you saw this with Crowder he, all the time. Well, we have to not do this. We have to not do this because then we can get bigger. And once I'm the biggest conservative person out there, I can be who I want to be. Except by that time, you're so corrupt. You've, you've seated ground everywhere you possibly can. That's my uh, take on him. Uh, and then with other people, the post-millennial, it's like these people just weren't conservative. They were just opportunists. No, they were people at all. Who, who were like, I can't make it anywhere else. But if I lie and say I believe X, Y, and Z here, and I can sell it because I already hate this person for this one thing. I don't like the transgender movement. Therefore, I can sell all of conservatism because it will make me money, mm-hmm. and I'll never get accepted on the other side, right? Yeah. So it's it's all of these things. James O'Keefe, I think he just wanted to be famous. 
Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. No, James O'Keefe wanted to do theater. He, again, yeah. Same, same situation, right? A lot of what he spent money on that he wasn't supposed to was like trying to do theater stuff. He really loved that camera. Like you could tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. James O'Keefe liked him some James O'Keefe is my point. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Jax's coverage of this because I think it'll be yeah. good. Yeah. Well, so. uh, just real quick, like going back to the tweet about he just cares about it pumping out good content, Steven Crowder yeah. pumping out good content. I don't think that's possible when you get scumbags are the ones who are pumping out the good con the good right. content. I think it loses its value. It loses substance. There's nothing. There's there's no principles behind it. So maybe what he's presenting is con- is supposed to be conservative, but it loses its value when everyone sees who he actually is. Right. It doesn't mean anything. And so I think it's just going to be bad content unless Stephen, for example, changes, chooses right. to repent and say sorry, not just say sorry, but change. Yeah. I just don't think that's possible. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. That, have you guys noticed that too? The content always does get worse and people just excuse it. Yeah. Steven Crowder's content got actively worse over the last few years. Yeah. He's no one. The only thing I see people liking is the uh, change my mind, but that he's been doing that for years and it's just really repetitive. Like the first few times. Okay. It was cool. But yeah, then we're, we're on like year three now. It's like, okay, yeah, I kind of, I kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going right. to go, you're going to intellectually railroad somebody who doesn't have, <laughs> have like any type Freshman of freshman in to college. <laughs> yeah. They're wrong, but you beating them isn't because they're wrong. It's because you, you debate for a living. You, you, you talk and, and reason for a living and, and, and they don't. They've been in the public school system. They, they don't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> this was good, Abby. This was good. I think Thanks. you did a good job. I know that there was more you wanted to say um, that you couldn't say, but I hope that if anything, uh, you guys can just like this video, share this video, not just for us, but if this story, these stories that matter, if you care about yeah. the stuff that, that we care about with the conservative movement, if you care about your faith, I think that we actually have to have a moment and be like, who are the who are the foxes in the hen house and how yeah. do we create how do we get better people in charge and create better content and stop being fooled and led by the nose by a bunch of people who don't care about you and don't share your values anyway mm-hmm. so that being said if there's going to be more to come out about this story it's only going to come out if there's i think pressure on these right. people and if if more people are involved in this story this is uh, as far as i know abby's the first person to bring this story to light in the way that she did so Good job. Appreciate you, Abby. Thanks. Some good investigative journalism. A little bit different of a show for us. Thanks I did for, a journalism. She did a journalism. Thank you for coming on, Jax. It was good to, to get your opinions, stuff like that. I'm excited to see you know you cover this stuff more. Thank I got to get heading to work it. here in a minute. Was there anything else you guys wanted to say before we take off? I'm done. She is done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for coming out. We will be back next Wednesday. And again, normally on Thursday nights, we're doing our unhinged stuff. So if you want to get a show Wednesday and Thursday night, like we did this week, you guys can come over to conspiracypill.locals.com or rockfin.com slash conspiracypill and get our stuff there. Have a great night. God bless.